welcome back to State of Mind. I'm Grace Kingswell and I'm a nutritional therapist, cold water swimmer, auricular acupuncturist and breathwork coach. Yikes, quite a mouthful. And this is my podcast series all about health, nutrition, lifestyle medicine, sustainability and so much more. So Liv Kaplan is a Sydney-based nutritionist and foodie with a huge passion for baking. Her sugar-free dessert ebook is literally the holy grail of sugar-free baking. Now you might be thinking, dessert shouldn't be sugar-free, but Liv explains why she lives a low-sugar lifestyle and the surprising effects it can have on our mood and our happiness levels. So many people are suffering with anxiety these days and it can often be linked to poor blood sugar regulation and not having the correct nutrients to fuel our brains properly, namely omega-3 and omega-6 essential fatty acids. Liv explains how a really bad bout of anxiety and depression led her to change her diet around and how she's built a career on being a sugar-free foodie. As ever, if you enjoyed this episode, I would be beyond grateful if you could help me to spread the word about State of Mind by sharing the episode to your Instagram stories and writing me a rave review on the Apple Podcasts app. So let's get into the episode. So let's get into it. Hi, Liv. Hi, thanks for having me. So great to have you on the podcast. Um, Before we get into everything, I always start with the same question for everyone, which is what was the last thing you did that positively impacted your health? Oh, it was journaling. Oh, nice. Do you do that every morning? You know, I don't have much of a routine with it. I just sort of do it whenever I have thoughts that are constantly going over and over in my head. I find just getting them out on paper just helps me sort of sort them out and then I can kind of relax after that. Amazing. Is that, um, it kind of like tends to be like work stuff or I I suppose anything really. I'm, I've never journaled, so I have no idea. I think it's like, it's a really good way to sort of like look at your own sort of psyche and mental state. And it's almost like you're taking a step outside of yourself and looking at it from an outsider's perspective. So it's kind of a self-reflection thing. Yeah. I saw, um, there's a an amazing yoga teacher um, called Annie Clark that I follow and she put a post up yesterday actually saying that she trained herself to be an optimist by doing journaling and like write basically just like writing positive stuff down. It's quite a positive tool, I think. Yeah, I mean, I definitely believe in affirmations and um, I really think you can sort of change your perspective on things really easily with the way that you write and the way that you speak and the words that you use. So maybe my listeners might not um, know so much about you um, and who you are and what you do. I would love for you to just give us like a little oversight into into you. Yeah, so I'm a nutritionist and food and health blogger. So my Instagram is live in Bondi. Um, but I just, food is my passion and it's been really cool to be able to marry that with my other passion, which is health and um do that as my career. And so I kind of just, I think everyone should have such a positive attitude towards food. And that's really where I sit. And I also, mental health is a massive thing for me. And again, like, of course, I take a food perspective for everything. So looking at where food sits on that, on that spectrum is really interesting. Yeah, I think um, one thing I was I was reading on your blog, like doing my research uh, into my guest, as you do, and there was a recent blog post on your website where you talk about how you were once diagnosed with depression. Um, and then you also mentioned that you don't really believe in depression as a diagnosis. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I love that you've gone straight in for the kill with the, with the question. Yeah. It's good. It's no hanging the, about. The tough questions first. 
Yeah, so, I mean, my moods have kind of always been all over the place growing up. Um, and I used to swing into these terrible patches of feeling really, really down, which would last anywhere between a week to sometimes even six months, um, to the point where, like, I can only describe it as I just didn't feel like myself. Like, I felt like a completely different person. I was doing different things. I wasn't doing the things that made me feel good or that I would describe as my sort of inner self and what I like to do. Um, but I really just thought it was normal because you know, like when you, it's really hard to take a look outside and be like, maybe this isn't normal. So I just sort of lived like that for ages until I started talking to people. And then I kind of realized that maybe it wasn't normal. And I just started to research a lot about mental health and things. Um, and yeah, and along that like researching journey, I did, um, they diagnosed me with depression, but at that stage I had already done so much of my own research and really kind of got over it myself through lifestyle that I had already, like, I didn't even degree, agree with the definition of depression. And like, I'm, I followed the work of Kelly Brogan um, and mm. a few other psychiatrists in the space. And basically the sort of camp that I believe in is that depression is a collection of symptoms and it's not necessarily a disease. Like the serotonin um, theory of depression is kind of de being debunked at the moment. And there's sort of the research around that is pretty sketchy. And those experts are saying that, um, yeah, depression is this collection of symptoms, which can be caused by any number of factors. Like it could be something that happened out. So it could be a traumatic experience, but it could also be a deficiency. It could be a blood sugar imbalance. It could be a lack of exercise or a lack of nature. Like, you know, they've shown that nature has a positive effect on the mood and mental health. So all these different things, um, can lead to symptoms that look like depression and they're diagnosing it as this one disease and then treating it with these drugs that attack this serotonin pathway, which may not even be the cause of that person's depression. So that's kind of where I, that's why I don't believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting, isn't it? It's like this same thing. It was just, you know, putting a patch on a problem and kind of ticking someone off the list. Like, yeah, dealt with that. Um, you know, go, go away and take these drugs. And I think we, there's so much in what you've just said that really resonates in terms of lifestyle and, you know, diet being a huge factor for, um, for anxiety. And I just loved your your story the other day on Instagram where you were like, okay, I'm just going to put this out there, probably going to get loads of hate for this. But, you know, people that are suffering with anxiety might just need to eat a piece of like wild salmon because the brain needs those fats. And actually a lot of people are neglecting um, you know, animal, animal foods in favor of plant-based diet, and then their brain health is suffering. Um, and I just thought it was so great that you were raising awareness of that because it's, I don't think that we associate anxiety with diet enough. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, at the very base of it, it should be the first level of defense if you're trying to treat something like that, because it's such an easy thing to change. Um, and it's so mm. effective, if not more effective than a lot of medication, um, and that's where that rant came from, because that was certainly my experience when I was trying to treat my own mental health. I really had to look at the health of the brain um, and mm. learnt so much about that, which is why I brought those foods into my diet. And I'm really quite persistent about eating wild fish and things because it's so good for your brain. And like, if your brain's not working, how do you expect to, you know, not be anxious and things? And I'm not, I don't want to say that it's only diet cause because absolutely there are a lot, a lot of things that can cause anxiety that are unrelated to diet but certainly you know at least give yourself the best fighting chance by giving yourself a diet that kind of prospers health and a healthy brain 
which is going to give you a healthy mind. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about your diet then. We've mentioned it already. Um, You tend to eat a lot of wild salmon. What else are you like gravitating towards? Are there things that you avoid? Uh, Yeah. What does it look like for you? Yeah. So a lot of vegetables. Um, it's kind of, I, the funny thing is I still have a very, I have a very plant-based diet. So I think that's really important, especially for the health of the gut, which we know is really connected to your mood. So a lot mm. of plants and I tend to stick to the lower starch vegetables. So the greens, like a lot of brassicas, which are your cauliflower, broccoli, bok choy, things like that. Kale, a lot of leafy greens. Um, and then the other vegetables I incorporate as well, but I tend to tend to stick to a, a more low carbohydrate approach and that's because of the just blood sugar. It just works, work, works better for me. And then I really good quality meat. I find that, but not in too much. Like I'm really quite picky about the amounts that I have and the, where it comes from. So wild salmon and grass fed meats and pasture raised eggs. And I think those foods are so nourishing and good quality anti-inflammatory fats. So a lot of olive oil, um, and yeah. no, no sugar. <laughs> Yeah, so the the um I think the re- the reason I found you originally and I was like, wow, I'm really obsessed with this girl. I think one because you're living in Bondi and I was jealous that I no longer live there. And two because um you make some of the most incredible. I have your dessert ebook, your sugar-free dessert ebook, and the recipes in that are honestly amazing. Like you don't feel like you're lacking anything, but every recipe in that is sugar-free. Um, and that's the way you live your life, right? You don't really do huge amounts of fruit even. Yeah, no, I mean, I love fruit, but, um, it's, I just think a lot of people abuse it. And so it's just like sort of incorporating in a way that's healthy into your diet and not going crazy on the fruit because it is sugar and it is a carbohydrate load. And, um, you know, Mm. like I said before, like I know that I don't work well with that massive load of carbohydrates. It really affects my mood and my mental Mm. focus. So it's really easy for me not to go crazy and I just enjoy it in the afternoon or as a dessert or as something sweet and refreshing. Um, but yeah, with the desserts, like really that just came to me because I've just grown up in the kitchen. Like I love baking. And when I was younger, it was all the sugary cupcakes and all the sugar and gluten. And I didn't want to give that up because it's something that really makes me happy. Uh, so I just, you know, do a lot of research into food and I make my own sugar-free versions of everything. Yeah. And you just practice until it kind of works in a way that we would all perceive as being, I was going to say normal, but then like, what the hell is normal anyway? It's, it's so skewed, isn't it? Like, oh, hundred percent. Like, what is normal? Yeah, yeah. And you know, you just then you were saying, um, did you say uh, people use it, fruit as an excuse? Do you think that's like because it's, um, you know, we're all walking, pretty much all of us are walking around with some sort of blood sugar imbalance, so we really feel like we need that sweet hit all the time. And um, fruit is such an easy option because it's like, oh, but it's healthy, you know? Yeah, I think people definitely abuse it. I think it's it's a really nice way to mask a sugar addiction. <laughs> um, mm. You know, I think if you are uh, like lacking control around food and you're craving sweet foods, that's a really good sign that you, you know, have an addiction to sugar, whether it's emotional or physical. And unfortunately, when you just pump yourself full of fruit and dates and maple syrup, which are more wholesome options um but it doesn't it doesn't address that issue and I I still I think it's still you still got that issue of being addicted and um binging and feeling out of control around sweet foods and sort of being a slave to food I guess which is just not a nice place to be 
So, you know, once you do have that control again, I think it's great to incorporate those sweet foods again. So what what are some of the ways, like if someone came to you and and it was clear that they did have this kind of like sugar addiction, um, how would you approach that? Like, would you just say go completely cold turkey or would it be a case of like, okay, let's include more fats? How would that work? Yeah, both of those. Uh, A few things. Like I think not eating sweet foods. So even like I love love to use sugar-free sweeteners, but um, I would recommend people stay off anything sweet for a while just to get that palate really changing. So even the stevia is like, you see some people and they, they say they don't eat sugar, which they probably don't, but they have like, you know, 10 drops of stevia in their coffee in the morning. And it's just like so much sweetness. And I'm, I, I don't think that helps in terms of sugar addiction. So I think, you know, having a savory breakfast and really focusing on like satisfying nourishing foods so lots of vegetables so you get all that fiber and a really good quality fats and good quality meat so you've got that protein those things are so satiating and you'll find you won't want the sweet junk afterwards because you're just so satisfied from that all that good food and good fat and good protein and good fiber which are three things that really help with satiety yeah i agree with that completely like even if i make um for example your chocolate fudge cake with erythritol it's still you're I I think you're still hitting those pathways in your brain that give you that kind of sweet dopamine reward and if actually the next day you know it got to like 3 p.m and I didn't have any more of the like sugar-free version left I would feel like I still needed something sweet because I was kind of programmed to like want it at that time or yeah I think it is hard to go cold turkey like with so many things but retraining your palate I think is such a valuable thing for us all to do it's easier said than done I think it's it's definitely easier said than done like sugar is such an emotional thing for so many people and so many people have just Mm. eaten it their entire lives so it's like hard to imagine life without it but yeah it's definitely and that dopamine thing as well is so strong like it just activates that reward system and that pleasure and that I feel good and it like lights up areas of the brain um, that are, you know, governed by motivation and reward. And that doesn't happen when you eat broccoli. Like, unfortunately, there's none of that, like, oh, give me that again. Like, I want that feeling. So we all sort of crave that feeling. So it is normal to have that. But you'll find you're just, like, so much happier when you aren't a slave to the sugar, when you're, like, you want to enjoy it and you can enjoy a piece, but you don't feel like you're going crazy without or that you're restricted or that you have an urge to, like, eat more and eat the entire thing. Um, and you can get mm. to that place. I think everyone can get to that place, but it seems really far in the future <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's get into this then because something I that, like, really makes my blood boil um, in the UK, and I'm sure it's probably the same in Australia, is that I see so many people, whether it's like patients or just friends, um, who are super healthy eaters but are unknowingly consuming so much sugar. And that's mainly to do with like, I feel, you know, the current state of the wellness dialogue, which is um, it's totally fine to make um, this brownie so long as you use like dates and like sweet potato and then like maybe some like um, date syrup or whatever it might be because it's like refined sugar free. And I think this whole like refined sugar free thing is really dangerous. Like, how does it make you feel? Oh my, well, it's upsetting because I can see how it's so unbelievably confusing. You know, people get told don't eat sugar. And then there's like all this stuff and they don't know what to, like they're only doing the best they can. 
Um, mm. But yeah, the thing, and like, that's why I don't use those sweeteners. So maple syrup, honey, dates, agave, whatever other, like brown rice syrup, whatever other syrup is on the, <laughs> on the market at the time, um, because they are still a really concentrated form of sugar. So like in your body, it has the same effect in the fact that it um, raises those blood sugar levels and creates that blood sugar imbalance where you've got a spike and then you've got a crash. And blood sugar imbalance is one of those things that can cause symptoms of depression, especially when you're in that crash where you can't focus, you feel down, you're not motivated, mm. you know? And so it's really important to address that. I know that I found like a massive change when I changed that. Cause even I was always a super healthy eater, but I would eat, you know, oats, banana, quinoa, and then I'd have a date ball. Like it was just so much, a total load of carbohydrate and sugar that was way too much for my body. And I was like border on insulin resistance, even though my weight was relatively normal. Um, so yeah. yeah, so major issues and it can cause all sorts of things like insulin resistance and inability to lose weight and energy issues, even if they yeah. are natural. Yeah. Natural and like healthy. I think it's, um, testament to like how good the marketing industries are, uh, all over the world where we just kind of get indoctrinated with with kind of believing that we um, need to eat certain foods because I don't know everyone else is or because an influencer has told us to. And like, actually what we need to do is just engage with our bodies on a daily basis and think like, okay, what do I need in this moment? Like, do I need that bliss ball? Or could I have like maybe some like avocado or like, am I even just thirsty? Like it's just- Oh, absolutely. A- and like, you're the only yeah. one who's going to know that. Like, I, you know, it might be indulging in some- date filled raw cake when you're out with your friends and it's a birthday or something. But you know, if it's the morning and you've got a whole day of work ahead of you, like you probably don't want that sugar load. So yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, it's fluid and it's going to change. And the best thing to do is tune into yourself and really figure out what that is. Totally. Um, I want to ask you about the difference between, so let's talk sweeteners firstly. Um, I, I'm pretty sure like a lot of people will have heard of artificial sweeteners things like aspartame. I don't even know what that is. I just know that it's bad for you and it's in like Diet Coke and stuff. Um, and then the and then the natural um, sugar-free sweeteners that you use, things like sugar alcohols, um, stevia, like what's the, what's the difference there between like a sugar alcohol, which sounds quite scary, and something like aspartame, which we know is an artificial sweetener? Yeah. So, yeah. So aspartame, like you said, is that stuff in Diet Coke. It's, it's a chemically made sweetener that's super sweet. And so it, um, it's got it, that no calorie effect. So it doesn't have a spike in blood sugar, which is a good effect, but it, they, they're sort of researching it in terms of cancer and, um, a bad effect on the gut and things like that. Nothing's really set in stone at the moment. You know, a lot of researchers say, no, there's no problem, but for me, like, just look at a Diet Coke and it doesn't scream health to me. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't touch that stuff. So my favourite sweeteners are stevia and monk fruit because they're sort of the closest natural thing that you can get because they are just grown out of the ground and they just naturally have that sweet taste without the effect on the blood sugar. So those are the ones I'm my favourite too. And then you've got the sugar alcohols, which are, so they're made from the, Sugar alcohols naturally occur in fruits and vegetables. So they're they're in nature, um, but you can get a sort of like refined version of them where it's just the pure sugar alcohol. So it could be things like erythritol, xylitol, malitol. Those are all 
sugar alcohols. I know it sounds crazy, but so they also don't have an effect on the blood sugar. They just sort of go straight through you, but they extract mm. them from like um, corn and other plants. And they ferment them and they, they, so it gets more of that sugar alcohol content and they take them. So I'll use those purely in baking for the sole reason that stevia and monk fruit don't go well in baking. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, and sometimes I want like a chocolate fudge cake or something. And it's if I'm not using the sugar alcohols, then I'm going to have to use regular old sugar, which I'd rather not use. So there's sort of a thing that's like great if you're having a celebration or something and it's like um, your dessert's still sugar free. But it's not something that I recommend people to have daily purely like there's nothing bad that can happen, but purely just because of the fact that it's obviously not exactly a whole food. Yeah. And I think as well, you say something when you when you um, talk the, the recipe through the chocolate fudge cake one, which for anyone listening, I would urge you to make. It's so great. <laughs> um, yeah, you say maybe don't have this every day and um, it, it, it's kind of like a once in the while thing rather than like go ahead and have this every single day. Yeah, which is why I make them so like, lush and delicious I and mean, I don't know who can eat that sort of stuff every day anyway but that's certainly mm. that's like it's there for celebrations you know I, I think life is for living and I love cooking and I love inviting people over and having desserts and I don't want to put up a plate of blueberries and be like this is dessert <laughs> you know because yeah, I think you know we are still like much as we try to all be like super healthy and do what's right and kind of like stay on the straight and narrow we are hardwired from birth, I think, because like breast milk is really sweet. We are hardwired to to want that like reward. And I think especially if you're going out for dinner, you sort of feel like, oh, I just want something after my main meal or, you know, there's always going to be that culture of like, I deserve this. And whilst you might be able to kind of deny that for like 90% of the time, like you say, we can't just, we can't be super strict about food all the time because I think that in itself isn't healthy either. So having like um, an option or, um, you know, something else that you can make, which gives you that kind of sweet taste, but doesn't um, kick you off into that kind of like roller coaster of like having energy and then having no energy and then needing more sugar or then needing another coffee is, um, is a good option for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. If it like stops you from, you know, ending up half a tub of the way through it, pint of ice cream like that's yeah. a good thing you know yeah yeah um so so then let's talk about the argument that um you know like a, a whole plate of mango is way more healthy or like whatever fruit it could be some tropical fruit um <laughs> is way more healthy and natural than let's say your chocolate fudge cake made with a sugar alcohol what's your take on that I, I mean I see where that's coming from um, and in terms of, you know, because I do always say food first, real food, whole food. So in terms of that perspective, um, that's somewhere where like, yes, a mango would be healthier than a sugar-free chocolate cake. A whole plate, I'm not a huge fan of purely because of the sugar load. And I don't know where, mm. like, um, like I would feel so sick if I ate a whole plate of mango. I would, I'll enjoy one yeah. mango, like when I want something sweet or when I want a dessert. But I just... I suppose I don't compare the two because there's a place for both, you know, like I'd happily have fruit every day. I probably wouldn't choose a mango every day because it is one of that higher sugar options and it's very seasonal. Like it's not available all the time. Um, mm. You know, I, I like to have berries every day, but um, you know, that's like fruits, like a, a great part of a whole foods diet. Whereas, but 
like I said before, like I, if I have people over for dinner or it's someone's birthday, I'm not going to be like, dessert is fruit. <laughs> I'd rather yeah. like, you know, I want to bake and I want to make some beautiful chocolate cake or carrot cake or something delicious. Like something that feels like dessert, that feels like more of a lifestyle. Like I, you know, I live a normal life. I don't live in some crazy external universe where no one eats dessert and no one likes to enjoy those things. So I suppose that's my take on that. Like there's a place for both, but I certainly, you will never find me eating a plate of mango or um, recommending that anyone eats, you know, 10 mangoes in one go. Yeah. It's so funny because like when you're talking then fruit is always the option for people that are like, uh, you can either have this or you can have fruit. And I just remember when I was flying back from Australia last year, I, um, like I'm not intolerant to gluten, but I decided that I wanted to pick the gluten-free meal. And I think we were flying, I was like flying Emirates or something. It was a good airline and, um, hadn't eaten in like hours because, uh, I think we'd like just done the leg where you basically just sleep. And then they were kind of waking everyone up and they were giving everyone a sandwich as like a lunch thing. And they came around and gave me an apple and I was like, oh, okay. Is there like something else I can have? I'm really hungry. And they're like, no, no, that's the gluten-free option. It's like, how do you equate an apple to like, what is actually a full meal? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was so pissed off. Oh my God, no, fair enough. That is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> like at least give me, I don't know, not that I eat gluten-free bread, but that could have been so easy. But yeah, it's it's like fruit's always the kind of, um, the trade-off, isn't it? Like if you want to be healthy or if you don't want to eat I know. Bad, it's like, a piece of fruit. It just, it reminds um, me of when you're a kid and like, um, you say to your parents, like, I want dessert or I want a treat. And they're like, have a piece of fruit. And it's like the worst thing I they know. can ever say. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't want an apple. It's like not what you want to hear. I know, totally. Um, okay, let's talk uh, about detoxing. Um, again, this is just because I purely was like stalking you really hardcore before we started chatting today. And I was like, oh, she has a highlight on her Insta page about detoxing. Um, because the the argument on this side of the world, certainly uh, in the press and from like conventional nutritionists is that... Um, detoxing is a load of uh, rubbish and that actually all you need to detox is a is a liver and some kidneys which is true but I just wanted to get your opinion on that whole detox life I mean um that is true but I think the problem is that a lot of people like don't look after their livers so their livers aren't in a good state which means they're actually not working properly um you know Mm. just because of the way like with pollution and you know, just the normal things we all have to deal with. And it's, you know, it's 2019. Like, this is just like the world that we live in. You know, it's, I I really believe in supporting your liver um, through food and herbs and whatever and allowing it to detox. Um, So I don't, like, I don't buy into those like three-day detoxes or like whatever they'll sell you. They're all just like pure marketing for sure. Um, I think the bigger issue is actually why people feel the need to jump on those. But I definitely do, um, you know, agree that you need to support your liver. Yeah. Mm. So, so then, so why do you think that people feel need, feel the need then to jump on those? Is it because, um, it's, it's much easier to kind of live fast and, you know, go hard and then just kind of as a trade-off spend three days putting yourself through some like horrendous juice cleanse than it is to just be consistent all the time? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, a juice cleanse, like I'm, I hate juice cleanses because it's just like, it's just like sugar, like six times a day. Anyway. Um, but yeah, basically I think people are just so sort of like, they just want to be told what to do and they, they kind of don't want to 
self-reflect and be like, what feels good to me? Like what makes me feel best? Um, it's really easy mm. to just like throw money at a problem and be like, oh, that person is promising me um, that I will wake up feeling like a different person um, when it's probably yeah, again, not true. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And again, it's handing over the responsibility to someone else rather than, you know, taking care of it yourself. Yeah. Which I think and is like... like- yeah, and I know, I know that I love like like you know I do have that detox highlight. I probably shouldn't have used the word detox, but um, it's because like it's because exactly that. Like I live a normal life, and sometimes you know your nutrition isn't one hundred percent perfect. I mean, no one's nutrition is ever one hundred percent perfect, or your mental state isn't one hundred percent perfect, and you just feel like you need to like give yourself a bit of a reboot. Like you give your body a kick up the ass. Um, so you know, I there are things that I do that helped me get to that stage, like fasting and giving my digestion a break. Um, you know, so I'll do like soups and liquids for a while. And I find a massive difference purely in my digestion. And when my digestion's good, I feel good. So, you know, and if I'm not looking after myself, that's when I feel like I need to do those things. So, I mean, I like those, but yeah, it's one of those things that it's hard to communicate to people because it comes across in the same way as that like detox or whatever. Yeah. Is, um, is fasting something you do, like, do you do it intermittently every day or is it like you do like a prolonged fast when you feel you need to? Um, a bit of both. Like, like by some people's definition, I do intermittent fasting every day because I don't eat breakfast. Like I would just wait till lunch to eat. It's not like if I'm hungry, I'll eat at 10 30, but I'll never eat before then. Um, but to me, it's just like, I don't really call it fasting. I just call it eating when you're hungry and not eating when you're not hungry. Mm. So I do do that. Um, and I found the biggest thing for me has been get, getting rid of snacking as well. So I'll just have like three solid meals in a day and I don't snack. Um, so that's been massive for my digestion. And then, yeah, I will do a 24 hour fast. To be honest, like rarely, maybe like twice a year. And I, it's just, yeah, I find it really like when I feel I really, my digestion's really off and I feel quite sluggish. I just, I find giving my, giving it a rest from constantly needing to digest food, especially because I eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of like fats and proteins and it's quite a heavy diet. So um, giving it a break, I find massive benefit from. So that's why I do it. Yeah, I think um, you're so right. The kind of the snacking for me is the thing that, can make the most like it's such an easy thing everyone can everyone could decide right now that they don't want to snack in between meals and the difference in their digestion like is just going to be astronomical because we're all like we're all digesting food constantly at the moment and again it's like the 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 industry and like um the marketing jargon has us believe like we need to eat the newest healthy treat kind of in between meals and um you know, yeah. I would always say to someone, if you're going to eat that, fine, but just like eat it with all of your other food and then just don't eat for like four and a half hours until your next meal or five hours or whatever it is. Oh, I'm, I totally agree with you. First of all, like food companies invented the snack. Like it was never a thing before you ate three meals yeah. and that was it. Food companies invented the snack. So it's not a thing that we really need. Um, and snack foods are generally not nutritious. And I, don't, I think if you can't go two hours without eating, like it's a probably a pretty good sign that something's probably a bit off with your blood sugar or your energy levels. Mm. Um, it might be mm. something else you need to address. Like you've got a, some sort of deficiency or um, energy problems because you really shouldn't it, like evolutionarily, it makes no sense that you can't focus or can't do anything without a sugar hit every two or three hours. Yeah, for sure. 
Oh, well, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I feel like we're, this has basically just been a conversation of us agreeing with each other. I know, it's <laughs> perfect. But it's like so funny because so many people don't understand what I mean, especially with the snacking thing. But I'm so with you because I obviously like I enjoy treats a lot, but I sort of like tack them onto my meals and then I have a big period where I don't eat anything. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. Yeah. And I think like one thing I would say is that obviously like I just want to caveat what I've said to like all of my listeners with the fact that I don't get it right every day and like I quite often get it very wrong and um it's all just a process but as long as you can just tune in and listen to what you need for the majority of the time I think that is just so valuable like I will 100% have days where I wake up and or like it's usually when I've gone for a a cold because I do a lot of cold water swimming and at the moment um Actually, there's a, there's a few people I follow in Australia and, and I think you guys are just coming into your, wait, it's summer. It's No, yeah. you're coming into summer. Coming into summer, yeah. Yeah. And there's a few stories that I've seen of people being like, oh, the water's really fresh or like, it's really chilly. And I'm out there swimming in four degree water in London. Oh my God. And I find, I know it's like, I forgot to wear my, um, my like neoprene gloves the other day and oh my <gasps> God, it was painful. I felt like my hands were going to drop off. Um... But I find it very hard after a cold swim not to go for carbohydrates. Like I really feel like I need like a hot bowl of porridge. Um, but I 100% always feel hungry like two hours afterwards. So I don't get it right every day. But it's, uh, it's yeah, it's quite easy to get behind the microphone and kind of um, say all these things. But yeah, oh, totally. everyone's an imperfect human. Yeah. And I actually like enjoy those imperfections because it's just a nice break like mentally. Um, mm. you know, like I'm working on a, a new Christmas ebook at the moment. So I spent all day like making all these desserts and breaking every rule because I was making them all day and like eating them and, um, you know, ate them in the morning because I needed to taste the recipes. So absolutely. Like I never want people to think that I'm perfect. Like I like to be fluid with life and that's why I, I feel like my lifestyle supports it. So I can, yeah. I can do that. And that's why I do make an effort to be healthy. And then it's just sort of like a natural part of life. Mm. So Liv, if you could give listeners like three takeaways from like three nuggets of advice from what we've spoken about today, what would they be? Um, I think first I have to say that food and diet have an absolute undeniable effect on your mental state and your mental health. So it's not something to be looked over. That'd be my first number most, number one important thing. The second would be the importance of self-reflection, especially now like social media heavy world where everyone's sort of consuming, Mm. consuming, consuming, um, and just taking that time to look into yourself because we actually never do it. Um, so that's why I like journaling and like taking time away from the phone and you can kind of like piece together your own thoughts and be like, Oh, that's why I did that. Um, and I found that really, really important for my journey in amongst all the learning and reading that I do to actually look inside and not look to a book for things. Mm. And then I suppose like the third is just to like, you're entitled to like, um, you're entitled to take charge of your health and to make choices that make you feel amazing and you don't need to apologize for it. Um, so just like own what you're doing and then people will support you. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, thank you so much. I just want to ask you the, I've, I have three questions I ask all my podcast guests. Um, the first is what's one thing in life you'd do again if you could? I'd do again. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'd probably go back to myself being a teenager and I would take all the time that I spent stressing about what I look like and put that into something more productive. Yeah. 
I think that's so valuable. Like teenage years are hard. Oh, the amount of hours I spent stressing over things like that. I'm like, I could have cured cancer. I bet if I took all that effort and like put it into something that actually did something good for the world, that's probably what I would do again. Yeah. Um, And what's one thing you'd change if you could? Um, This could be like about you or it could be about the world at large or the health industry, whatever. Yeah, I'd have to say the medical system and um, the way that doctors and health practitioners are educated. Um, I think I would filter down to how people are educated because I think it's very confusing and like doctors are people that you should trust, but they're all so different. They all have different opinions Mm. and it's really confusing. Okay. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really valid. And again, it's just like encouraging people to to take control for themselves and you know not not be so quick to kind of just yeah hand over the responsibility I guess yeah yeah um and finally the podcast is called state of mind what does state of mind mean to you so state of mind is everything but um I I think it's like how you approach every situation that you're in you know I think like one of my favorite quotes is um when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change and so nice. I think it, that all starts with your state of mind. So that's definitely yeah. amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Liv, so much for coming on all the way from Sydney. I love no, it. No, it's so good. Thanks for having me, Grace. Thank you so much for tuning back into State of Mind. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Liv. That's it for this week, but I'll be back same time, same place next Monday with a brand new episode. Bye-bye. Thank you.